Welcome to Torat Imecha, Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Norma Mintz, and today we will be studying Micha, Perik Vav, or the sixth chapter. Yesterday we learned Perik Hay of Micha, a Perik that promises the nation Nechama, or comfort, following the destruction that is also to come. Micha describes how Mashiach will serve as a shepherd to the flock, guiding us and leading us as necessary. Micha explains that we will live in a period of peace that cannot be uprooted by Ashur or by any other force. During that time, the She'erit, the remnant of the people following the challenges that will precede the peaceful period of Mashiach, will powerfully overtake its oppressors. These people are praised for their faithfulness to Hashem and assured of their success. In this new epoch in time, we will no longer have any need for false assurances of security, whether they be explicitly forbidden, such as sorcery or pagan worship, or whether they be human and permissible, such as horses and chariots. During this time, we will so clearly live in the true assurance of Hashem's protections. The penultimate parak of Sefer Micha is a much drearier parak, as Hashem takes Bnei Israel to task for their lack of gratitude for all that he has done for them. He calls upon the seemingly ageless hills and mountains to hear his testimony against the people. This is reminiscent of Moshe's calling upon the heavens and the earth to serve as his witnesses in Parshat HaZinu in Perak 32 of Dvarim. The Malbim actually says that Hashem here begins with the same language as he stated at the start of Perak Gimel, Shim'una, where Hashem there turns to the leaders of the nation and pleads with them to listen and to recognize the lack of justice in their midst. In the time that has passed, having seen that the leadership has not adequately re- taken responsibility for this issue, he now uses the same language in addressing the mountains and hills, effectively appointing them as the new leaders who will hear his grievance. And yet, even in God's fr- frustration, his love shines through. We see in Perik a Pasuk Gimel, it reads, Ami, my people, what wrong have I done you? What hardship have I caused you? Testify against me. Even amidst his anger, Hashem addresses the nation with love, calling them my people, Ami. He asks them, how has he possibly wronged them that would have caused them to turn away? He even asks them to testify against him, should they have wrongs to express. And in Pasuk Dalid, he reminds them lovingly of his having redeemed them from slavery in Egypt and his having given them Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam as leaders. In Pasuk Hay, Hashem goes on to reference his great love for his nation, discussing the way that he saved Bnei Israel from Balak, the king of Midian, and Bil'am, the Moabite prophet, during the nation's sojourn in the desert, as described in Parshat Balak in Sefer Bamidbar. Interestingly, the second half of yesterday's parak, parak hay, and the first eight psukim of today's parak, parak vav, are read as the haftarah for parshat balak. Of course, it is reasonable that Micha would have chosen as the haftarah for that parsha, considering its mention of balak, though he is one of three neviim to do so, so that cannot be the sole reason for the selection. Rav Moshe Lechtenstein believes that this has everything to do with the nature of balak's attack on Bnei Israel as described in the story dealing with him and Bilam. When he turns to Bilam to curse the people, he recognizes the futility of attempting to harm Bnei Israel militarily without targeting them spiritually. 
Ironically, Balak in a sense represents the faith in God's control and the futility of the reliance of all else that is represented by the She'irit, the noble remnant that is described in Parak Hay as emerging in the end of days. In discussing the connection between Parshat Balak and its Haftarah, Rav Moshe Lichtenstein states, Balak's failure and the turning of Bil'am's curse into a blessing was the spiritual factor that tipped the scales in Israel's favor. God, therefore, demands recognition of his goodness, which must express itself in spiritual recognition and acceptance of the principle of power's dependence upon spirit, and that the people's political success depends upon their connection to God. As the parak continues, Michal laments the hypocrisy found in the nation, as they believe that offerings to the Beit HaMikdash may appease Hashem and quench his anger and disappointment in his people. Micha emphasizes the inappropriateness of this approach as he articulates this idea in hyperbole in Pasuk Zayin. Hashem elim shaman pishi Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with myriads of streams of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for my sins? Micha envisions a person volunteering to bring an overabundant number of korbanot, offerings, or even proffering one's own child as a sacrifice, which of course we know to be counter to God's will. This is an articulation of distorted values, of a belief in a ritual devoid of meaning or of an understanding of Hashem's desires from us. This false belief in the Beit HaMikdash as a cure-all for Bnei Yisrael's corruption as a transactional means of wiping one's slates clean without self-improvement or correction, is a trend that we find denounced in multiple books of the Navi. In contrast, Micha responds with what is most likely the fo- most famous verse in his Sefer, Pasuk, um, Pasuk 8, Higid l'cha adam matov, uma Hashem doresh mimcha, ki im asot mishpat, v'ha'avat chesed, v'hatsneya lechet im alokecha. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what Hashem requires of you, only to do justice and to love goodness and to walk humbly with your God. Hashem does not want empty sacrifices. He wants our sincere goodness. The Gemara in Makot 24a states about this pasuk, Ba Micha Vehe'amidan al Shalosh. Micha communicated all of the 613 mitzvot through three acts. The Gemara then defines each of the three. Asot mishpat, zehadin. Ahavat chesed, zegmilut chasadim. Vahatsnei alechet, zehotsa'at hamet, vahachnasat kala. To do justice, this is justice. To love goodness, this is an allusion to acts of loving kindness. And to walk humbly with your God, this is an allusion to taking the indigent dead out for burial and accompanying a poor bride to her wedding canopy both of which are to be performed without fanfare, glorifying, glorifying the doer. The first two precepts in this pasuk, both according to the Gemara's interpretation and across various commentators, refer to different aspects of the refinement of character ben adam l'chaviro in the context of interpersonal relations. The third of the precepts is the most abstract. Many often cite this pasuk when learning of the subject we so often call tzni'ut, referring to the laws of modesty and dress. Interestingly, the Gemara's understanding of the third command, Hatznei Alechet, is about the privacy of one's actions. One may extend this, of course, to the privacy inherent in dressing in a manner that does not emphasize one's external self, 
But it is notable it is notable that the Mefarshim largely do not make this direct connection in the context of our parak, but that they emphasize the larger value. In fact, while commentators differ in the specific ways they define this mitzvah, they share the commonality of privacy. For instance, Rashi explains that it means we must behave in a godly manner. As a human being who is humiliated will generally hold a grudge and make demands that those who witness his humiliation be publicly brought forth before they will be willing to forgive. Whereas Hashem merely wants us to return to him, and he has no such demands, happily accepting our private repentance. The Malbim brings yet another explanation, as it is the fundamental underlying principle in how we should connect to Hashem, as he asserts that we must walk in his paths and be sanctified through his Kedushah, or sanctity, and that this takes place when we serve Hashem privately, without fanfare when our actions are not motivated by praise or honor, but by a genuine desire to be godless, godly and righteous. In Rav Moshe Lechnesin's discussion of this Haftarah and its connection to Parshat Balak, he states that this final pasuk of the Haftarah brings together an important piece in understanding the wrongdoings of Balak. While Balak correctly understood that he would need to battle with Bnei Israel on a metaphysical plane in order to have any chance of defeating them, he incorrectly believed that doing so merely required the motions of so-called, quote-unquote, religious acts. He believed that having Bil'am bring Korbanot on his behalf would effect Hashem's favor. Rav Moshe Lechtenstein explains, Bil'am was a magician, and the actions that he performed on behalf of Balak were based on magic and sorcery. In the framework of such an outlook, a sacrifice does not express inner religious experience, but rather the attempt to magically appease God by way of actions and deeds that will win him over. All this stands in stark contrast to the position presented by Micha that sacrifices are meaningless when unaccompanied by deep inner religious experience. As the parak continues, Hashem warns the people to correct their corrupt ways. In Pasuk 9, Hashem calls out to the people of the city, but only the Tushia, understood by most commentaries to be a wise man or the prophet himself, recognizing Hashem, recognizes Hashem's name in his own heart. The Navi exhorts the people to hear the Mateh, the staff, which represents the harsh punishment that awaits them as ordained by God. He asks rhetorically, Is it possible? that the houses of the wicked still house stolen treasures? Then Avi goes on to describe the terrible fraud that pervades the culture of the time. Business owners regularly employ fraudulent weights to cheat their customers and to take advantage of them. The Psukim describe a culture of lies and deceit among the rich, but according to the Radak and the Malbim, it is all-encompassing, and it has infected people in all manners of class and types of interactions. Pasuk 12 reads, Asher Ashireha Malu Hamas, Beyoshveha Dibushaker, Ulshonam Remiabifihem. This speaks of the cities, whose rich men are full of lawlessness, and whose inhabitants speak treachery, with tongues of deceit in their mouths. This Pasuk is reminiscent of a Pasuk in Tihilim, Parak one hundred twenty, the first of the Prakim that comprise the fifteen Mizmorim or songs of Shir Hamalot. Hashem Hatsila Nafshi Misfat Sheker Milishon Remiyah. Hashem, rescue my soul from false lips, from a deceitful tongue. In this context, 
we specifically plead with Hashem to rescue us from such a state of affairs. This is an untenable way to live and function in society. In response, Micha tells the people in Pasuk 13, Begam ani hechiliti hakotecha, Hashem al-chatatecha. I, in turn, have beaten you sore, have stunned you for your sins. Micha explains this cannot continue, so he must respond with his own form of blows as he delivers Hashem's punishment. He goes on to describe an existence of futility that the people will face in Pasuk 14. Ata tochal velotisba, veyesh chacha bekirbecha, vetaseg velotaflit asher tefalet lacherveten. You will eat, but not feel satisfied, and there is a gnawing in your innards. You will conceive, but not deliver, and what you bore I would deliver to the sword. In a horrific vision, Micha describes a reality in which nothing is accomplished, and instead everything seems to turn to destruction. The first detail, of eating without ever achieving satisfaction, is in fact one of the punishments listed in Parshat Bechukotai when discussing the national punishments for lack of adherence to Hashem's covenant. In Vayikra, the 26th pasuk of the 26th parak, the pasuk reads, Va'achaltem velo tispa'u, you will eat and not be satisfied. The articulation of this punishment thus reflects the depths to which we have sunken. Overall, the prophecy seems to describe a metaphorical reality of despair. It is difficult to understand it's, it's mere, that it, to understand it merely literally, considering, for instance, that the language of the pasuk describes a person of the masculine gender conceiving but failing to deliver a child. While these punishments might also have taken place literally, it seems the message is most important. Whereas those who were so involved in deception for so long likely took pride in their great successes and productivity, they will be mired in a fruitless reality in which they face failure over and over. In Pasuk 15, Micha conveys this message with agricultural imagery, reflecting his background as someone who lived in the rural lands of Yehuda. You have been sowing but have nothing to reap, you have trod olives but have no oil for rubbing, and you trample grapes but have no wine to drink. The final pasuk of the parak references two names that are certainly not contemporaries of Micha, but whose apparent influence is still felt much to the chagrin of our Navi. Yet, you have kept the laws of Omri and all the practices of the house of Achav and have followed their counsel. Therefore, I will make you an object of horror and her inhabitants an object of hissing, and you shall bear the mockery of peoples. Omri, whom we first encounter in Malachim Aleph, Perak 16, is described in the text as more evil than all those who came before him. His son Achav then somehow goes on to top his father, also being described as doing evil in the eyes of Hashem, more so than all those who preceded him. Unfortunately, the legacies of these terrible kings have endured through the days of Micha. This behavior cannot go unpunished, and Micha describes the apparent humiliation the nation will face when the time will come. Today, we learned Perak Vav. This Perak begins with Hashem giving testimony regarding Bnei Israel's ungrateful attitude toward God, who loves them and who did so much for them. Micha berates the nation for their hypocrisy, for believing that they merely need to engage in ritual acts in order to appease Hashem, and he pleads with them to recognize what Hashem truly wants from them, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Unfortunately, this is not the reality of this time, as Micha describes the corrupt environment that pervades the nation, 
with people regularly cheating one another in business and generally living in a world of deception. Micha announces they will be punished for this behavior and for continuing the perverse ways that were set in motion by the evil kings, Omri and Ahav. Thank you for studying together. Li'iloi nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat Alexander Sender.